Okay, if you got your copy of God's Word, I want you to start navigating your way to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And here in a minute, I'll give you the title of the message, but first I want to inform you about Scotty and Gail, your pastor and his wife. And I did contact Scotty yesterday and asked him if there was anything he wanted me to relay to you all. And he said, yes, tell them that we love them and we're so thankful for them. And we want to tell him and Gail that we love them and we're thankful for them. Amen. Scotty said, he said that they're in a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to be a long haul. He said that they're at the 10-mile mark of a 1,000-mile journey. Uh, he said, but, but take, take to heart that Gail is making gradual improvement every day. The help at Maranatha, they really like it. It's a really good place. They re, they're very pleased with, the, with that facility. It's new, and it's got plenty of help. And so they're, they're working Gail. They're making her get up and get around. One more thing in that um, if you want to contact Scotty, go through his daughter, Annie, okay? Because Scotty really is very busy tending and caring for his spouse right now. And he's been getting flooded with phone calls and texts and things like that. So let's ease up on him a little bit and just go through Annie, okay? That would be, that would be the best. That's what he asked to, us to do, except for me. A couple things else I want to uh, pass along is uh, we're, we're three services. We have three services, uh, two at the stockyards, one here, but we are one church. Okay? We're, we're in unity for what the mission of the church is, and I know what it is because I've talked to Scotty. It's we love God and we love one another. And then out of that comes everything else, all right, if we do that. So we're three services and we're with, but we're really one church, two locations, and you're just wearing your pastors down. You're going to go through them like Tic Tacs. Okay, the title of the message, hang on, it's, it's a wonderful life. Does that bring to mind something? Let me, let me try my Jimmy Stewart impression. Well, now, uh, I think, you know, uh, we're going to, let's get on that horse. Anyway, that's my Jimmy, that's my Jimmy Stewart. He's just aggravating me. Get, spit it out, you know. That word wonderful, perhaps maybe we've kind of diminished the real meaning of the word wonderful. Now, Jimmy's life in that movie, A Wonderful Life, when he wished he was dead or he, you know, jumped off the bridge or whatever, and all the people that he influenced, his influence was completely devoid. It was gone. And really, in all honesty, A Wonderful Life is very influential. But more than that, the word really means, wonderful means astounding, astounding, I'm astounded, and it's an astounding influence, you, an astounding influence, I've been to the Grand Canyon four times, can anybody beat that here, you're lying, I'm kidding, oh, he lived in Vegas, okay, so all Nevada people are out of that contest. But it, we go there a lot, why? Because it is amazing, it's astounding, it's wonderful to see God's creation. And that has a great influence upon a person like me that really wor- likes to worship in nature. I like to go out and just admire what God's done, what He has wrought. And the Grand Canyon is, is wonderful, it's astounding, and it influences me. And that's the same thing about 
what God wants for our lives. He wants us to have an astounding, influential life, a wonderful life. God wants that for us. Now, there's a problem that's, that's existing today, and it's a problem that we fall into, a couple problems actually. And it's, as we see in our culture, in our society, many of you are my age or a little bit older, and we have seen quite the culture shift. We've seen when a mass murder was, at one time, big news. They would write books about it. Now we have two or three of them a day. Something's happened. Something's changed. Could it be that we've settled down? And what, what do I mean by that? Well, it's this attitude. Well, I guess I can live with it. Yeah, you know. Time will tell, but as far as it goes, I, I can just live with it. You, you do something, your spouse does something, something that's maybe not ethical or holy or whatever. Well, I guess I can live with it. Maybe we've got that attitude. We can just live with it. We can live with that stinking revenue driving up down my road, raising my taxes. I can't live with that. We've got to do something about that. I'm talking to you. There's another thing. It's the Grinch. It's the Grinch. How the Grinch Wants to Steal Christmas. Great book, great story. The Grinch. He's, like, he's kind of like a porch pirate. You know, you got the, the gift that's come to, you, come to you and he snatches it before you can get to it. The gift of peace, the gift of joy, all those gifts of the Holy Spirit, of patience and self-control and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, snatches those right out off our porch. We shouldn't let him, right? We can live, you can live a wonderful life. And you know, you might think, gee, you know, I'm going through some really difficult times right now, relationships or finances. How, it's not really wonderful, but it is. And the text will show you that, that even the circumstance that you're in is wonderful. The news that God has sent you is wonderful. And the witness that God gives you is wonderful. Okay, so let's read the text. Let's look in our Bibles in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. This is the first of my Christmas messages that I'm going to be bringing. As the Lord allows me, I'm pretty sure I'll be preaching next Sunday up to this point. Of course, I want Scotty to come back ASAP and because I really like Pastor Scotty and his preaching. And why do you think Cowboy Church is where it's at? It's because of him and his giftedness that he's been using, and you and your giftedness that you've been using. The volunteers at this church are incredible. It's just really amazing. We couldn't have better volunteers, all three services. It's just, it's just amazing. It's marvelous. It's wonderful. Astounding influence on the people here. All right, so let's read this, and let's enjoy the reading of God's Word and watch the wonderful life. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. By the way, just stop right there. God is fulfilling his prophecy here, friend. Verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, 
who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. She was just about right there, friend, because watch what happens next. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths or swaddling cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will... Uh, find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. Your Bible might say they made haste. They made haste. And found they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. There is right in there how to have a wonderful life. How? Know that your circumstances that you find yourself in are wonderful. They're astounding. Now, stay with me. Let me explain this. The wonderful circumstances of your life. The current reality that Joseph and Mary were in was they were in what I would call a forced march. They had, the government said, you got to go register. So Joseph and Mary had to make a long journey while Mary was pregnant. It surely couldn't have been easy. And so they were in a forced march. They would probably prefer to stay home with the, with the doctor and the nurse and the nice facilities to give birth. But no, instead, they had to go and they wound up in an inn. They were in a forced march. But something that's amazing is happening here. And the wonderful circumstance is that all through this, God is working. He's ordaining. He's making His Word fulfilled by, in that march, which the Caesar Augustus or the head of Rome thought he was the Lord. I got news for you. He might think he's the Lord, but God's the overlord. God is in charge. He's providential and He's sovereign. And He saw this all the way and He said, Okay, listen, Joseph, here's, you're, you're going to... Take that woman to be your uh, wife and you're going to protect her and guide her and guard her and you're going to name this boy. That is, you're going to give him the name Emmanuel. It means God with us. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Most High. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to save their people from their sins. They knew about this. They knew the plan of God and she knew she was about to give birth. She knew that the circumstances were difficult. She was on a forced march, but she stayed the course. She carried on because of what was carrying in her. And friend, I want to tell you that, same with you. You might be on a forced march. 
It might be a relational situation that you had nothing to do with it, but it's caused grief in your life and your family. It might be a financial situation with inflation, the rate it's going. Some people are doing okay. I saw Colton Steakhouse packed out the other night. Where are they getting their money? Anyway, anyway. So it could be a financial relation. It could be physical. All of a sudden, bam, you just hit up the side of the head with something that you weren't expecting, cancer, heart disease. All of a sudden, boom, you're on a forced march. But remember, on those forced marches, those are, they can be wonderful circumstances of God working. Here's what the Bible says, Job chapter 42, verse 2. I know that you can do all things, Lord. No plan of yours can be thwarted. And I've got news for you. God has a plan for your life. I know that's a, a cliche. Many pastors say that, but it's true. He, he's going to see you through the forced marches you've been on. So you carry on because his will will be done. Carry on, with the, even in the circumstance, with your calling, which is to worship and to serve and to honor and to obey the living God. There's a great book in the Bible. It's Nehemiah. It's a wonderful book, and it, you can really go through that and learn a lot about leadership. Nehemiah was heartbroken for the devastation of Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord was being besmirched. That's about the only word I can think to use. Write it down, look it up, and trampled on, smoldering. But anyway, he had this vision to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the wall and bring the glory of the Lord back. Boy, we, what if we caught that vision? to bring the glory of the Lord back to this nation. We sing about America the beautiful. We sing God bless America, but the fact of the matter is many of us have settled down and we're not fighting the Grinches. We're letting them steal stuff from us. But Nehemiah, he goes to Jerusalem. He's got a plan. And he builds a team and he starts rebuilding that wall. But guess what happens? The Grinch comes after him. Sanballat, Tobias, Tobiah and Gershom. Names you'll never forget. Names that live in infamy. And they sent a note, a letter to Nehemiah because they wanted his demise. They wanted him to, to come down off that. And so they, and they said, they had a plan. Come out to the valley of oh no. That's true. It's the valley of oh no. And of course, Nehemiah said, oh no. No, but here's what Nehemiah said. And this is what we want to say. Because the devil... The enemy is going to try to thwart you even when you're on a forced march and you try to take the easy way. Don't do it. Nehemiah said this, I'm doing a great work up here so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease when I leave it and go down to you? I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. The enemy's going to try to steal your joy, steal your peace. I ain't coming down. I'm doing a great work. I'm serving the Lord. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm honoring the Lord. You have a wonderful circumstance, and that gives you a wonderful life. Listen, there's one more thing. Sometimes we're dealing with humdrum lives. Well, there's actually two more things. These, we're going to the shepherds, and when the child was born, the angels went and visited the shepherds. And in last service, we talked about shepherds a little while, how they, they worked with sheep that really stank, and the shepherds really stunk. They were actually what you would call the dregs, of society, the lowest of the low, the overlooked, the people that nobody cared about. And you know, I can kind of identify with them. I don't know about some of you, but I just felt, I felt that way in my life, that I was really worthless. Nobody really cared. I might as well just well work nights, sleep days, and just 
Just go through the humdrum motions of life. Many of us are doing that. We, we have no wonder in our lives, only worry. We've lost the wonder, the astounding fact that the creator of all of the universe sent us his son so we can go to heaven. So we will not perish and go to eternal damnation simply by faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone, knowing that he took your place on the cross. He died on that cross, was taken down and buried, and three days later rose again for our justification. He rose and went up, ascended to the right hand of the throne of the Father and is seated there right now waiting to hear, go get my children, boy, or son. God can call whoever he wants, anything he wants So the, it's a beautiful picture of what, how God loves each and every one of us when he says that, if, and let me make sure I read this, okay, just so you know. In verse 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, these are important verses. The angel said to them in verse 10, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's saying, calm down. Calm down, settle down. Let this sink into you. Because they were afraid you would be too. The appearance of God or even sometimes just God's word stirs up the heart where our minds are racing. But now God says, calm down and let this fact sink in. The wonderful news, the astounding news that God loves you. That you matter to God. He sent a Savior. There's a couple, there's really a lot of good, wonderful news here where the Bible says here in verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God gives us a map to find Jesus, friends. You'll find Jesus. Don't read the Bible if, you don't, if you're lost because if you start reading it, you're going to get saved. You know, seriously. People say, where do I start in the Bible? I don't care. Start anywhere. Preferably not Leviticus, but you know, I mean. <laughs> but but if, you, if you start reading this beautiful love letter, it's going to change you because this is the inspiration of God, which is astounding. And it's influencing. And it gives you that wonderful life because now you've heard the wonderful news that you matter and God says you can find Jesus. And not only that, but look, heaven suddenly, in verse 13, suddenly, the suddenlies of life, all of a sudden heaven came down. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Be careful, you're going to create a monster up here. The problem is the Grinch again. And, and oftentimes we are so busy and so overwhelmed with our daily lives that we forget the wonderful, astounding, influential news that God sent His only Son to die an excruciating death for my life. Oh, what a God. And this wonderful news, this does something to us. It's good news of great joy. And it's not this we're going to, oh, I'm just so happy. I'm so full of joy. It's a joy. Let me give you a quote here about this joy. Um, because I want to, here's Pierre de Chardin. That's my French pronunciation. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. 
if God's in you, something's going to be different about you. It's going to be astounding and influential. It's going to be wonderful because of the news. It's the surest sign of the presence of God if you're walking with Him. Louis Giglio said this, if you aren't experiencing great joy, it might be you've been disconnected from the good news. Settle down. I guess I can live with that. Oh, the Grinch is out again after me. I'll just, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Henry Nowen said the opposite of joy is not sorrow, it's unbelief. How do I have joy? I want to talk about a person that influenced my life. Was a wonderful person. Was astounding and influential to me. Her name was Vicki. And I'll never forget the first time she came to Ozark Highlands Church. We used to have what I call Bluegrass Church on Sunday nights. I, I imitated Cowboy Church. I talked to my brother-in-law, Danny. I said, I want to do something like Cowboy Church, but I said, well, let's do Bluegrass Church. It didn't work, but, you know, we tried. We tried. I got to play a lot of banjo. It really did. It did okay, didn't it? We got 50, 60 people. But I'll never forget the first time Vicki walked in the church. Now, they were coming from a church that has nothing but a history of fussing and fighting. And in all honesty, I don't think that's a church. That's just a group of people getting together, bad-mouthing each other, you know. And God's not there. When you start bad-mouthing other people, he, he vacates that. As a matter of fact, he'll hang Ichabod on the door. That means glory of the Lord is departed this place. He won't be involved in that. But that's why I'm standing back here tuning my banjo. It's getting close, 6 o'clock start time. And I see this gal walk in and her husband's trailing behind her. You know, he's like this. She's like this. <laughs> just like most of our households. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just having fun. I made enemies of 60% of the people today. <laughs> they say 60% of your church congregation is female, so we, we love you. We need you. But So she comes in, and, I, and uh, she goes, well, I play the piano. Now, she lives three miles farther south of me, so she lives in the sticks, and they've lived out there for years. I mean, years. And their family settled there. They came and settled there back in the 1830s. So these are real salt-of-the-earth people. And I said, oh, boy, great. Piano with bluegrass. That's just what I wanted. Yeah, that's what I need. Uh, new people. So I said, okay, fine. And had her come up. And, she, and I used to, and all of a sudden, I said, she plays just like Dale Woods does. See, nobody knows who she is. Come on, people. Who knows who Dell Wood is? Played piano on the Grand Old Opry for years. And nobody could play it like old Dale Wood except for Vicky. And I used to make fun of her. She had and her favorite her favorite saying was, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, she got to feeling bad. She wasn't feeling good. She was forty seven when this started happening. And they just, they determined they were going to do surgery female surgery, and it wasn't going to be major, I guess, they were, you know, well, it's any surgery. Like they say, there's no such thing as minor surgery when it's on me. <laughs> it's major surgery. But Joe Gargiola said that, just so you know. Um, there's no such thing as minor surgery when they do it on you. That's what he said. But so they did, they opened her up, and they found that she had cancer everywhere. Stage four. And, you, you know, a lot of people will change after that, but she, they sewed her up. And, I mean, she just came back in. Here we are. Let's praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got good news. Jesus loves me. You ought to see that. Did you know at her funeral, which I, she lived for three years maybe after that, 
And uh, boy, what a, what a time that was. But at her funeral, I had never, ever officiated a funeral with that many people. This was just an average person. Worked part-time at the veterinary clinic, faithful in her church, but everywhere she went, she left a trail of joy. And I'll never forget the line at the visitation all the way out of the church house, snaking through the parking lot. And the massive number of people in that building, as most people ever held, was just because she was wonderful, influential, astounding. Why? Because of God in her life and her heart. Simple as that. Okay. Wonderful news. Wonderful circumstances. And this goes along with in verse 15 through 20, but a one, being a wonderful witness. Now we know that the shepherds, man alive, yeah, their job was to watch the sheep, but they, in verse 15 they had a confab, confabulation. That means they had a meeting. A un, they became a union. The shepherds' union. No, I've really taken that too far. So... They got together, as you'll see in your scriptures here, verse 15, when the angels left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, right there in the middle of the night. Let's go. In verse 16, so they hurried off. I don't know if there were two shepherds or three or ten, but they were in unity. They had a mission to fulfill, and they were going to find Jesus, and something happened to them, and they got a wonderful witness their lives being changed by the wonderful news because of the wonderful circumstance. Now they get a wonderful witness because we've been told by God, by His angel, of this thing that's happened. And they trusted God's Word, listen to this, enough to leave their fields. I mean, they're watching by night. I wonder if there's wolves or bobcats. I know we got bobcats out around my house. They're out hunting the sheep, but they said, we're going to find Jesus. We're leaving our field. Did you know this could be life-changing for you? It could be. I don't know what your field is, where, where you're at right now, but I will tell you how this changed my life. And when I was a press operator, pressman, I was an assistant manager, and the church I was pastoring was the village church. And it, it was growing. The village church was. It was just, we were in a small building, but it's actually growing, believe that or not, you know, and we got to 75 people, and it took, I don't know, six, seven years to get there, so when I see this crowd, I go, wow, this is great, God's blessed me with an opportunity to share the gospel, I'm I'm really excited about that, but um, I had to, so I'm being the boss here, and I've got it made in the shade, drinking lemonade, as they say, as the boss, finally made it to that spot where I could order others around, you know. And, of course, I still had a boss to, to, you know, that I had to answer to, but I was working nights, and he was on the day shift, so, you know, they don't bother you too much. But I had to make a decision, really. It came to that crunch time whether to stay in the newspaper where it's safe, where I have insurance, where I could just settle in, ride it out till I'm retirement age. Or I could serve God. So I was reading, I've been, I started seeking God and I came across this section of scripture. This was life-changing for me. It could be for you. I know it was for the shepherds. Mark 10, 29 through 31 says this, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, 
No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields up along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Z. Tommy, wake up. I'm showing your fork here. Z. Tommy gave that to me. It says Z on it. I was always last in everything. So, so I decided right there to leave your field, and I did it. Because the shepherds moved out, they found out that God's Word is good. Because the shepherds moved out, they found out, and they were forever changed. Wonder. Watch this. In verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. Wonder, wonder flowed from their lips. They astounded people because of their testimony and their witness. Wonderful, wonderful the grace of Jesus. Wonderful the works of God. Wonderful because of circumstances. Wonderful because of news. And wonderful because now he's given you something to boast and brag about. Jesus is king. Jesus, the king of glory, give you something to brag about something to boast about. The sad, oh, God made them a wonderful witness, but the sad current reality today, and I think about things, these people on TV, the newscasters, the pundits, when they talk about these horrific murders, like the one in Idaho recently, it's just hard to fathom the evil of that. And then, well, what's wrong? what's wrong with our world today? What are we going to legislate now so we can stop this but this stuff from happening. I got news for you. You cannot legislate against evil. You can't do it. The only thing that beats evil is good. Evil is overcome by good. The Bible says overcome evil with good. Another sad reality is we see it, what parents are teaching their children. Did you see the video of the little girl, probably four or five years old, and her father has her being the porch pirate? True. Father, out watching, sends the girl in to steal the packages. That's what we're teaching our kids. Have we settled down? Have we settled down and we're not taking responsibility for what they're teaching in our schools? Have we settled down and said, you know what, I, I don't need to go to church and hear God's word today. I can get by. Do you know what that does to you if you miss service? It weakens you. It weakens your resolve. It weakens your zeal. You know, and here at Cowboy Church, I know that Scotty could give a care how many people come. He, what he cares about is doing what he's called to do to the best of his God-given ability. All right, now get off my uh, soapbox. I see people, I put this down, living fearful, woeful, distressful, doubtful, shameful lies. But I've got good news, good news of great joy. God has made a way for us to live a wonderful life, an astounding, influential life for the sake of the gospel. Will you join? Will you come? Will you make that decision? God sent His Son for you and me to follow. Will you follow him? If you've not made that decision today, I want you to cry out to God, God, save my soul. I'll follow you. And then if you do that, tell Larry or myself or Carrie or somebody that you've made that decision, and then we'll, we'll get a baptismal service here. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, God, you're so good. Thank you for the strength that you've given me throughout the course of this day to proclaim your word. Thank you for the opportunity to do so. You are so good, so worthy. Father, thank you for Sock River Cowboy Church. Thank you for all hands on deck here. They're wonderful folks. They love you. We've got work to do, we know. We pray for your divine intervention in each and every one of our lives. We pray that you'll start producing a wonderful life in each and every one of us. Let us be those astounding, influential people of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, this season, I pray, uh, Father, that you're going to do a mighty work in this country, that things will change and people will start turning back to you as the security and the Savior of their life. In Jesus' wondrous name we pray, amen.